This message was presented at the GYC 2013 conference, Before Man and Angels, in Orlando, Florida. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Good morning, GYC. What a privilege it is to be here with you, and what a wonderful choir and orchestra. Thank you so much for what you've done to bring us to the throne room of heaven through music. What a blessing. This is a wonderful conference, and uh, I know that God has blessed the seminar speakers, the plenary speakers, and he's blessed you. And what a privilege it was yesterday to go out on the GYC outreach. Justin mentioned that. And let me tell you, it was a great privilege. And I think our experience was the same as just about everybody's experience. I'm going to be anxious to hear the numbers that are going to be coming back in as to how many contacts, how many great controversies were... They weren't sold, they were kind of donated sold. And uh, how much money was raised for the SALT, the Service and Love Together Project. Praise God that people in the Seventh-day Adventist Church are helping homeless people get back onto their feet, helping young children and young people in low-income areas learn how to navigate in life and bringing people the precious Word of God. Uh, it was a great privilege for me to, uh, to go door-to-door with Sarani. And let me tell you, she is a great call porter, I could tell. We had a great time visiting in so many places. We probably visited at least 20 to 25 homes. We got an additional two great controversies uh, because we ran out, we were praying with people. What a great privilege it was. I want to thank uh, Justin for his leadership in GYC. I want to thank the Lord for the leadership team and for the opportunity of having GYC so closely aligned with the World Church. And I want to wish Natasha and her team God's very special blessing as we continue to work closely together. You know, it's important for youth ministries, for GYC, for all organizations to work together for the finishing of God's work. You know, uh, the GYC administrative group has taken very good care of me, and I want to thank them personally for that. Uh, There is a special group of people who have helped me while I've been here, uh, Ico and Anko, uh, so many others, uh, Kurt and uh, James and Joel and others. You know, it's a privilege to be surrounded by young people. I was very amazed at the title that Justin gave me, President of Young People. I want to tell you, that's a better title than even President of the General Conference. And I just praise the Lord for the opportunity of serving in any way possible. You know, it was just a great privilege to be with you and to see the humble, zealous, enthusiastic fervor for Christ and his word. In fact, let's look at the word of God. We're going to be doing quite a bit of that this morning as we progress through this sermon. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 
verses 7 through 10. I invite you to take your Bibles, iPads, iPhones, whatever it is. For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? You are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And indeed, I could wish you did reign that, <clears throat> that, we, might, that we also might reign with you. For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. Now, Paul was concerned with the Corinthians' many internal church challenges that were influenced by pagan society. Let's review those as we look at the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I invite you to look at it, verse 10, as we begin this journey as to why it was that they were witnessing before men and angels. In verse 10 of chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, Paul pled with them to speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now skipping to verse 18, he rallied them to the cross by saying, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. In verse 27 of the same chapter, he reminded them that God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. Verse 31 of the same chapter, he tried to bring them back to Christ Jesus by repeating the words of Jeremiah, chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Now moving to chapter 2, verse 2. He powerfully declares in these wonderful words the following. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. As you move to verse 5 of chapter 2, he admonished them not to put their faith in the wisdom of men, but rather in the power of God. You see, Paul yearned in his heart for the internal fighting and the self-centeredness to stop in Corinth. In chapter 3, he shared that although he planted the seed and Apollos watered it, it was God who gave the growth. I want to tell you, young people here at GYC and others who are watching, everything is dependent upon God. In verse 18, Paul says of chapter 3, Let no man deceive himself. If anyone 
among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Now this leads to Paul's pleading in chapter 4 that we began just a few moments ago. To be fools for Christ's sake, understanding that we are a spectacle before angels and men, before the world, to be understood by all that we stand for Christ and for his truth, regardless of the circumstances. You know, what powerful instruction from heaven for the Corinthians and for us today. We face a lot of situations where there is disputing and internal bickering. It takes away from our true mission. Now, I have no ultimate fear for the unity of the church as we proclaim the three angels' messages. The Bible and the spirit of prophecy show a united church in its mission at the end of the time. We are nearing that end. God is calling for us to submit to his will for his church in becoming humble fools for God as we engage in service for Christ before men and angels. I want to personally thank GYC, each one of you who is part of this great organization, for your faithful adherence to the Word of God, to the spirit of prophecy, your strong belief in the power of prayer, and your total commitment to personal and to public witness in the service of God and before men and angels, just as Paul did. What a privilege to walk in the footsteps of Paul figuratively as well as literally. A few years ago, I had the great privilege of participating in a wonderful international Bible conference organized by the General Conference's Biblical Research Institute. It took place in the country of Turkey. Well, what an exciting opportunity to visit various places where Paul himself had proclaimed the message. As Paul walked the hills and the valleys of Asia Minor, he visited, he inspired, he preached in many challenging settings. He ministered to and evangelized people who were even harassing him. You know, it's great to be part of GYC, to be here amongst all these wonderful people. But what are you going to take home with you when you leave Orlando? What challenges and harassment will you meet and what are you going to do about it? We're living in very unusual times. The convergence of just about everything. Political, economic, financial, ecumenical, social is shaking people to the core. People realize something is happening in the world. It's pointing to a great prophetic event to come. We are standing, I believe, on the edge of eternity 
in service to God before men and angels. I believe with all of my heart, as you do also, Jesus is coming soon. After his conversion on the way to Damascus, Paul knew nothing except Christ crucified, risen, interceding for each of us, and coming again. It animated everything he did. He couldn't stop pointing people to Jesus, his righteousness, his justification, his sanctification, and eventually his glorifying power. You know, I'll never forget a sermon by Elder George Brown, one of this church's great statesmen, a mentor and a wonderful friend of mine. He will be 90 years old next month. He lives not too far from here in Avon Park. He made a statement in a sermon which has stuck with me. He said, when we get to heaven, we will gratefully look to Jesus and we will proclaim that we are justified, sanctified, glorified, and satisfied. As you leave this GYC convention, proclaim this same precious Advent message of Paul, the message of the Advent hope in service to God before men and angels. There's nothing that unifies this church worldwide as much as the power of the Holy Spirit working through you, the consecrated Pauls of today, the great truth that we hold dear as Seventh-day Adventists, this great Advent message is the truth that unifies us in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> yes, of course, we need to share truth in love in an appropriate and compatible way with various cultures around the world. But remember, there is only one name given among men whereby we might be saved, and that is the name of Jesus Christ. Proclaim it in your local church through your service to God and before men and angels. Take your example from Paul, who left the shores of Asia Minor from Troas and traveled towards Greece. As we look at Acts chapter 17, and I invite you to turn to that chapter where we're going to focus quite a bit of attention, we can see how God used Paul on this journey. In verse 14, Paul is preaching in service to God before men and angels in Thessalonica. And because of unrest, he then had to go to Berea. Now some of the Thessalonians followed him and because of additional difficulty certain church members sent Paul to Athens. When he arrived in Athens he sent those who had accompanied him back to Berea to invite Timothy and Silas to join him. He found himself in Athens alone. Acts of the Apostles tells us in page, on page 233 that he was oppressed by the feeling of solitude. Will you feel alone and abandoned in a few days? 
Will you feel without the resources in service to God before men and angels that you have enjoyed here at the GYC convention? Just like Paul, if you have Jesus Christ as your anchor and you are grounded in this precious Advent message, you will not be alone. All of heaven's resources are at your fingertips. In verses 16 and 17, we see that Paul, while waiting, had his heart stirred, stirred by the Athenians. They were absorbed in idolatry. I want to tell you, nothing, as much, nothing much has changed even today. Everywhere we see idolatry in full bloom and full swing. Self-centered, secular, and postmodern attitudes that are in opposition to God's Word. Independent, self-serving attitudes that, needed, that need to be softened by the submission to Christ. The three angels' messages, those precious messages, will bring people to the realization that we all, you and I included, we all need this submissive spirit of Christ. And we need to turn back to the true worship of God. Don't be afraid of what you're going to face in your local setting or wherever God may lead you. It has been faced before and the Holy Spirit will go with you just as he did with the Apostle Paul. When Paul saw the Athenians, he was compelled to share with them the beautiful message of the one true God. As Paul talked with Jews and with Gentiles, he understood the challenge of multiple gods surrounding them. Leading Athenian philosophers and thinkers heard about Paul's presence and presentations. They intended to come and make fun of him. But in his presence, in his manner of delivery, and his logical thinking, they held back. Don't ever be afraid to share the precious Word of God in love, in simplicity, and with diplomacy, for the Holy Spirit will help you to convict people who otherwise are trying to harass you. You see, God is calling you to fall in, follow in the footsteps of Paul in service to God before men and angels. The intellectual capacity, the talent and skills represented by those in this room, this auditorium this morning is absolutely astounding. I want to thank God for what he does with the minds and the talents of Seventh-day Adventist young people who commit themselves in service to God before men and angels. Listen to what the Acts of Apostles, page 235, says. They, the philosophers, and all others who came in contact with him, soon saw that he had a store of knowledge even greater than their own. His intellectual power commanded the respect of the learned while his earnest 
logical reasoning and the power of his oratory held the attention of all in the audience. Then they took him to Mars Hill, the seat of polytheism and paganism, perhaps the equivalent of today's secularism, relativism, pluralism, and postmodernism. It was in that environment that Paul shared the message of the Advent hope with the Athenian elite, the artists, the poets, the philosophers, the scholars. God is calling you today, young people, in GYC and throughout this denomination. He is calling you today to meet not only the general population, but the elite of this world. Interact with the intellectual young people and the faculties of the campuses on which you reside and on which you study. You see, the General Conference has also recognized recently that this is so important. We are in the process of assigning a full-time associate in the Youth Ministries Department who will care for nothing else than public ministry to young people, public campus ministry. Young people at GYC, I want to tell you, shake the Mars Hills of today. God will empower you to share the full love of Christ in service to God before men and angels. In verse 22, Paul pointed out the great missing truth, a firm belief in the one true unknown God whom Paul knew, Jesus Christ. Mars Hill represents today all the false theories and twisted truths that Satan has fabricated in contrast to the ennobling truths of the ruler of the universe. Mars Hill represents the efforts of Satan to bring confusion into society, culture, and especially into the Seventh-day Adventist Church. The challenge of today's world is represented by Mars Hill, a great controversy, a great battle. Nothing has changed since the beginning of sin. The Mars Hill mentality has invaded society and our own lives and our church. If not constantly leaning on Christ and his word, we can be affected by it. In lifestyle, music, outreach approaches, views of the future, distorted views of the great controversy theme and improper interpretations of the Bible and of the spirit of prophecy. It has affected the purity and simplicity of God's church and of personal religious experience. Young people, leave this congregation, this convocation, knowing that God has called the Seventh-day Adventist Church as a prophetic people to be a prophetic movement with a prophetic message and a prophetic mission. Let me identify four strong concerns for the church today that we need to approach with biblical understanding and with the grace of the Lord. The first concern is the loss of Seventh-day Adventist identity, 
among certain leaders and members of the church. The Seventh-day Adventist Church is much more than just another denomination or church. It was born of God out of the disappointment of 1844 according to Revelation chapter 10. He providentially raised up a divine movement of destiny to impact the world. According to Revelation 12:17, God's last day people would be characterized by keeping God's commandments and having the testimony of Jesus which the angel identifies in Revelation 19 verse 10 as the gift of prophecy or the spirit of prophecy. According to Revelation chapter 14 verses 6 to 12, God's end time church would proclaim the message of the everlasting gospel in the context of the three angels and the second coming of Christ calling every nation, kindred, tongue and people to worship their creator by keeping his Sabbath. There is no other religious movement on this planet that fits this pattern. Too many have either failed to recognize or have forgotten the divine prophetic calling that God has given to this precious church. There's a growing tendency to minimize our differences with other denominations. Now I'm not saying you ought to magnify those differences but don't minimize the differences. Much of this comes from a neutralization of the Bible as God's Word. We must base our beliefs on the Word of God using the historical biblical or historical grammatical method of studying the Bible and approaching our prophetic understanding from a historicist perspective. God's Word must be foundational to our belief our faith and our practical living that strongly establishes our identity as Seventh-day Adventists. The lack of identity has even led some to doubt the literal seven-day creation week, to deny a worldwide flood and to reduce the Sabbath to merely a rest from stress rather than a last-day sign of God's people. There are some who would like to reinterpret the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation to fit a more contemporary mold. They see the historic interpretation of prophecy as a relic of the 19th century thinking. But I want to tell you, my young friends and others, it is as current as today's news because it is from God himself. We have a life and death message to present to the world. Seventh-day Adventists have been raised like Noah to prepare the world for its final hours. I am absolutely confident that guided by Jesus and faithful to our prophetic heritage, this movement will triumph. I appeal to you, young people, I appeal to you with all my heart, be faithful to the call God has given you as Seventh-day Adventist young people. Embrace this message in its fullness. Be filled with the Holy Spirit as you share it with the world.
The second concern is growing worldliness in many churches and in our own lives. Jesus stated it well when he prayed in John 17, verse 17. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, John added, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. The church has always faced the danger of compromising its loyalty to Christ through a growing tendency to allow the world to shape its thinking. The closer we get to the end of time, the more the devil will redouble his efforts in this area. Standards that were once cherished by Seventh-day Adventists in the areas of diet, dress, recreation, amusement, and Sabbath-keeping are fast-becoming things of the past. Now let me underscore the absolute fact. We are not saved by what we wear. We are not saved by eating correctly. We are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. But when the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit enters into the life, we will do the things that God wants us to do. You see, when members are adorned like the world, when they dress like the world, when they love the world's entertainment, and don't just point your finger at somebody else, think about your own life and my own. When we listen to the world's music and are captivated by everything that comes out of Hollywood in its glitziest way, genuine spirituality is eroded and the devil makes inroads into our very souls. When the Adventist health message, which is accepted by so many honest-hearted people in the world is considered by many within the church to be legalistic or fanatical rather than a glorious gift from a loving creator, something's wrong. We're to be ambassadors for Christ. We're to be the light and the salt of the world. In Matthew 5, verse 16, it says, Let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, millions of people all over the world are aching for something different. They long for genuine, authentic Christianity. We will never reach them by compromising God's standards and our standards to come down to their level. We must lift up the standard through the grace of Jesus Christ. This is no time to just flirt with the devil's dress and diet and amusement and worldly influences. This is the time to hold the standard high for the world to see. This is not legalism. This is Christ-centered, justified, and sanctified living through the power of the Holy Spirit as a witness before men and angels as to how God can change a life. Our third concern is the challenging danger of disunity. In John 17, that powerful chapter that Christ prayed for you and for me as well as for his disciples, 
He prayed for unity in the church. One of the devil's strategies is to attack this unity. He knows if the church is not unified, it will not effectively accomplish its mission. In Selected Messages, Book 2, page 159, we read, Unity is the strength of the church. Satan knows this and he employs his whole force to bring in dissension. He desires to see a lack of harmony among the members of the church of God. Greater attention should be given to the subject of unity. Now the devil uses all his forces to bring in dissension and conflict to neutralize the soul-winning efforts of God's people. Now is the time for administrators, pastors, teachers, young people, and all members to unite under the banner of Christ's truth in preaching the message to the world. God has given to Seventh-day Adventists a divinely inspired church organization and mutual agreements called church policies, which under the guidance of the Holy Spirit are part of what holds us together as a world family. To discard or ignore these mutual agreements violates a sacred trust and creates unnecessary discord. After Bible study, study of the spirit of prophecy, prayerful and careful spirit-led discussion in appropriate church settings, let us lay aside our personal opinions for the good of the body of Christ and march forward together towards the kingdom of God. A fourth concern is the spiritual complacency and apathy that leads to a lack of church mission involvement. You heard us talking about it in the panel this morning. There seems to be a spiritual paralysis in many members' lives. Recent interviews or surveys, I should say, indicate that the overwhelming majority of the church believe the 28 fundamental beliefs, but they have a hard time sharing them. They believe that they're not uh, really perhaps that which they would want to become involved with in terms of the mission of the church. There's no fire or passion in their bones. Young people, without active involvement in service to God before men and angels, we will not grow spiritually. Desire of Ages, page 825, says the very life of the church depends upon her faithfulness in fulfilling the Lord's commission. To neglect this work is surely to invite spiritual feebleness and decay. Where there is no active labor for others, love wanes and faith grows dim. I want to tell you that Holy Spirit-led involvement in your local church and in your outreach to the community is the answer to apathy. If you want to be spiritually alive, get involved. If you want a vibrant prayer life, get involved. If you want to appreciate the Word of God more, get involved. If you want to have a deeper love for others, get involved. If you want to see souls one to Jesus, get involved. If you want to see Jesus come soon, brothers and sisters, let's all get involved. As Paul did, we are to get involved. Stand firm and proclaim the truth with clarity and simplicity, denouncing the Mars Hill mentality by pointing to the solid rock, Jesus Christ. As young people, youth leaders, pastors, faithful members, we are called to live and proclaim this heaven-initiated prophetic 
Advent message. That's exactly what Paul did on Mars Hill in his eloquent and masterful defense of the only true God in service to him before men and angels. In Acts chapter 17 verses 24 to 26 Paul told them about the unknown God. We heard that marvelous passage read by Amy this morning for scripture telling them that the world was created in six literal consecutive days recently. Paul explained that this God created all humans equal smashing elitism and allows for the rise and fall of people groups. In verse 27 Paul begins his appeal to the great thinkers telling them that this great true God has made it completely possible to seek him, to feel after him, and to find him because he is not far from us. In verse 28 he gives the real punchline. He says, for in him we live and move and have our being. He even contextualized his presentation by quoting from one of their prophets. And then in verses 29 to 31, he speaks against polytheism and paganism. As Seventh-day Adventist young people in service to God before men and angels, you are called to proclaim the Advent hope with the need for revival, for repentance and reformation all through the power of the Holy Spirit. We need a strong influence of simplicity regarding heaven-guided theology, outreach methods, and church growth practices. Unfortunately, we become smug in our sophistication and our self-evaluation. We become fascinated with our own understanding of how we think things should happen. Whether or not we like it, we are Laodicean. We are the embodiment of Revelation chapter 3. Through God's grace, righteousness, and the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to humble ourselves in submission to God for clarity of purpose and mission, a fuller understanding of who we are as Seventh-day Adventists, God's end-time movement, his remnant people. We don't say that in a self-centered, proud manner, but in complete humility as a unique prophetic people with a prophetic message and a prophetic mission. Listen to this beautiful quotation from Testimonies, Volume 7, page 138. Seventh-day Adventists have been chosen by God as a peculiar people, separate from the world. He has made them his representatives and has called them to be ambassadors for him in the last work of salvation, the greatest wealth of truth ever entrusted to mortals. The most solemn and fearful warnings ever sent by God to man have been committed to them to be given to the world. As a church, we need to return to a setting of humble, primitive godliness through submission to Christ, realizing it is He who provides the power for this great Advent movement. There is to be no pluralism or loss of mission focus in God's ranks. We will be united in theology and mission as we personally and corporately connect to Jesus Christ. 
The great sin of Israel was its disconnection from God, allowing the pagan gods around them to absorb their attention. Testimonies, Volume 9, page 19, is admonition for us today to not let anything absorb our attention except one thing. In a special sense, Seventh-day Adventists have been set in the world as watchmen and light bearers. They have been given a work of the most solemn importance, the proclamation of the first, second, and third angels' messages. There is no other work of so great importance. They are to allow nothing else to absorb their attention. From Bible prophecy, we know that the future will be difficult and challenging. Tough times are ahead. And it's only as we look to Christ and His Word that we can stand united and receive the latter rain giving us the power to proclaim those three angels' messages of Revelation 14 and the fourth angel of Revelation 18. Young people of GYC, take this prophetic message. Preach it. Share it. Live it. In verse 31 of Acts 17, Paul preached this message to the Athenians telling them that the day of judgment was coming. When those on Mars Hill heard about the resurrection, they mocked him. In fact, Scripture records that Paul's evangelistic series in Athens produced only a few converts. When you go to your own Mars Hill in just a few hours proclaiming this precious last day message, don't worry about the harvest because that is the work of the Holy Spirit. Our job is to proclaim the Advent message. As you return to your home churches, to your schools, or wherever you are going, Redouble your efforts in reaching out in practical, personal witnessing and public evangelistic activity. Lift up Christ and His righteousness and His distinctive truths. Lift Christ up with passion. As we leave this place, renew your commitment to Christ, to His Word and the Spirit of prophecy. Walk in Paul's footsteps. Stand for truth and combat the Mars Hill mentality. Preach the word in season and out of season. In fact, education, page 57, takes on new significance when we understand this. The greatest want of the world is the want of men and of women, men who will not be bought or sold, men who in their inmost souls are true and honest, men who do not fear to call sin by its right name, men whose conscience is as true to duty as the needle to the pole, men who will stand for right though the heavens fall. I want to tell you God is moving on the hearts of people all over this world, young people and older people. I think about Tatiana, an educated attorney and the vice mayor of a capital city in a Central Asian country, a predominantly Muslim country. Part of her responsibilities were to care for the acquisition of certain items that people needed in construction. One day a pastor came to her office asking for permission to buy some bricks. As he came to that office he humbly made his request and Tatiana knowing nothing about what this individual was doing said come back in three days. 
The pastor came back in three days recognizing that he needed in every way to be courteous and kind and respectful. And Tatiana said, well, I haven't had time. Come back again. I want to tell you, when God sends you on a mission, never give up. Keep coming back. The pastor came back. He was actually a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. He came back asking for a certain amount of bricks. Tatiana was frustrated, said, I know where you can get some bricks. Let me sign the, uh, the papers, move out of this office, get on your way. The pastor went and obtained the bricks. Quite some time later, Tatiana's 17-year-old son never minimized the power of a young person. There are probably some here who are 17 years old. Her 17-year-old son came to her and said, Mother, my birthday is coming up. I want you to go with me somewhere. I want you to spend the day with me. Tatiana, thinking she could simply give him some money and be able to uh, uh, just have, let him have a good time, thought she would get rid of him in that way. I want to tell you, parents, don't just provide good things for your children. Spend time with them. Her 17-year-old son said, No, mother, I want you to spend the day with me. Finally, Tatiana agreed. The day came. She put her scarf over her head, not wanting anyone to recognize who she was, and they proceeded into the middle of the city. They came, of all places, to a church. They entered the church, sat down, and the pastor began to preach an incredible sermon on submitting to Christ. Tatiana was absolutely astounded when her 17-year-old son stood up in response to the pastor's appeal and went forward. She recognized that this was a Seventh-day Adventist church. Her son had been attending this church for some time. In fact, it was the very church for which she had assigned the pastor to be able to buy the, book, the bricks. After the service was over, a baptism was planned. Tatiana saw her 17-year-old son animatedly talking with the pastor, and her son came back to her and he said, Please, mother, you can go with us to the baptism. You can ride in the special minivan that has been assigned for me. She said, No, no, I'm not interested in going. Why would I want to go? No, please, mother. So because it was his birthday, she agreed to go. They arrived at the site for the baptism. All the arrangements had been made. Tatiana noticed her son speaking again animatedly with the pastor and running back to his mother. He said, Mother, I just talked to the pastor. He said, You can be baptized too. Tatiana said, that's ridiculous. You have to know something about an organization that you join. I know nothing about this church. I'm not even a Christian. But, mother, the pastor said you could be baptized. Now, I don't know what the 17-year-old son said to the pastor because you know that we want people's lives to demonstrate their walk with Jesus every day before they make a commitment for baptism. But somehow... He persuaded the pastor 
And because it was his birthday, Tatiana was baptized. They went home. They took with them the baptismal certificates, and her son hid those certificates in a safe place. They didn't want the father to find out. In that culture, if you did anything in a major way without consulting with the husband and the father of the household, you would be in big trouble. Tatiana finally came to the point where she said, you know, I think I'd better find out what I was baptized into. And so she opened the Word of God and she began to read of God's love. And let me tell you, Tatiana was converted after her baptism. She fell in love with Jesus. She remembered, interestingly, and this is how God guides, when she was a small girl, about three years old, her father sent her back to Ukraine from where her mother had come because her mother had died. And she was sent back to her grandmother. Her grandmother raised her from age three to about age 12. She remembers her grandmother taking her to church on Saturday because her grandmother was a Seventh-day Adventist. When she was 12 years old, she was sent back to that Central Asian country and forgot all about that experience. But God brought it back to her memory. About five months later, her son came rushing into the house. He said, Mother, something terrible has happened. Father has found the baptismal certificates, and he is angry. Tatiana knew that the evening would be a very tough one, that she would have to face some unbearable questioning. And so she prayed to the Lord, give me the right thing to say. I want to tell you, as you go back to battle the Mars hills around you, ask God for guidance. He will give it to you. And so that evening after the meal, Tatiana and her husband began to talk. And her husband said, how could you dare defy me and become a Christian? How could you do this terrible thing without consulting me? God gave Tatiana a beautiful response. She said, My dear husband, you have the baptismal certificate before you. You have the date on which I was baptized. If in the last five months I have become a worse wife, if I have cared for my son in an even worse way than before, if I have become a sad, degenerated individual, I will give up this religion. But my dear husband, if you have seen in the last five months that I've become a sweeter person, a nicer person, a more helpful person, that something has changed my life, then please take that into consideration. There was silence, and her husband finally spoke. He said, no, Tatiana, you have become a sweeter, nicer person. It was not long after that 
that Tatiana's husband began to study the Bible for himself. He was given, interestingly, the book, The Great Controversy, to read. He understood God's plan for his life, and he gave his heart to Jesus and was baptized and to the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Today, Tatiana and her husband are powerful pillars of that Central Asian capital city church. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, as we face the soon coming of Jesus Christ, and he is coming soon, as you leave Orlando, preach the message of Paul, Christ crucified, risen, interceding, and coming again. In whatever Mars Hill setting you find yourself, God will encourage and stand by you. As you face the greatest test ahead in the Seventh-day Adventist Church within the great controversy theme, will you submit today to the King of the universe and our coming Lord? Are you ready for God's great mission? Are you ready to do whatever it takes to proclaim God's last day message as you focus on mission to the cities and rural areas as well? Are you ready to participate in medical missionary work, comprehensive health ministry? Are you willing to help people to live life to the fullest, both now and for eternity? Will you plead with the Lord? for revival and reformation and for the latter reign of the Holy Spirit as we proclaim Bible truth. Are you willing to march forward in service to God before men and angels? If you accept this challenge, would you quietly join me in standing to your feet? as you personally submit right now to Jesus Christ, your Lord and your Savior. He's calling you to serve him before men and angels. We're going to pray in just a few moments. But there may be some of you who are facing a very unusual circumstance when you go home. Maybe you have an unusual burden on your heart. Maybe you want to place it before the Lord. I just ask that if you do, would you just join me right here in the front for a special prayer? Any of you who have a special circumstance that may be coming to you when you come back to your place, to your campus, to wherever it is that you find God calling you. Maybe there's someone here who hasn't fully given their heart to the Lord and you're wanting to say, Lord, use me in every possible way. Would you come forward? Maybe there's someone that has a burden for a, a mother or a father, for a brother or a sister. Will you come forward? Maybe the Lord's putting you in such a situation where you're going to be called upon to be like Paul and to proclaim Christ in every unusual circumstance even though you may be harassed. 
if you want personal guidance and blessing from the Lord as you leave this place would you come forward God's going to bless you as you go out to these places all over this country and beyond God's going to use you as a witness before men and angels let's bow our heads as we pray our loving father in heaven we come to you quietly in this wonderful GYC convocation we recognize all of the support services all of the encouragement all of the affirmation that exists in these wonderful conferences but when we leave here and go to our own Mars Hill please go with us please bless every young person who's come forward every individual who has a special burden someone who is perhaps wrestling with a conviction about what he or she should do either for a life partner or for their profession maybe there's personal conflict temptation that has come into a life and destroyed the full picture of what God wants to see happen maybe someone has abused someone else maybe an individual standing here has been a victim of difficulty lord help that individual to feel and to know that you love them unconditionally that you want to give them the power to become the mightiest voice for you lord bless these young people as you send them out we're living in the very end of time we are just on the edge of eternity the second coming of christ is so near Lord use us in service to you before men and angels. Lord, we consecrate and commit ourselves completely to you. Thank you for hearing us in this prayer and thank you for sending us from this place filled with the power that you invested in Paul and in others to proclaim the one true God the one in whom we live and move Jesus Christ our lord thank you for hearing us and bless this GYC convention and each one here in the powerful and wonderful name of our lord and savior our coming king our high priest and our best friend Jesus Christ This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, please visit us online at www.gycweb.org.